0: Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. Well, good morning. So this morning we're going to continue in um, our truth over trend series and so I'm excited and I'm honored and privileged to share with you today um, a message that I'm calling seeing past the lies. And so you see we have trends all the time We see trends come and we see trends go and some of those trends are in fashion, right? And uh, some of us have a hard time catching up with the trend, because by the time that we catch up with the trend, there's already a new trend, right? It's come and gone. And I'm always a step behind, I feel like, when it comes to that, even though I love fashion. But sometimes it takes me a while before I agree with that trend, before I'm willing to try that trend. And by the time that I get on board with that trend, there's a whole new one starting. But let's talk about some trends. Do you remember the clear craze, like clear Pepsi? Do you remember that? That was a, that was a trend. It was disgusting. <laughs> swatch watches. Do you remember swatch watches? Come on, I'm going to date some of you. Silly bands. Silly bands. Now, this was, I was a lot older. Do you remember silly bands? They were like the shape of something, and then you wore them like a rubber band thing. Yeah. Crackle nail polish. I hear a couple laughs, not even from the women. <laughs> trapper keepers. Come on. You remember that sound? That k- <laughs> Yeah. I love trapper keepers. I was so excited that my daughter's teacher had that on her school supply list. I was like, we are going to find a trapper keeper. She's like, what is a trapper keeper? And she didn't want a binder. She didn't want one of those cool new zip-up ones. She wanted the original k- trapper keeper. <laughs> Cup stacking. Come on. Do you remember? Okay. Beanie babies. Do you remember the craze? How about some Heelys? Raise your hand if you had Heelys. There we go. <laughs> there are shoes with roller skates built into them. MC Hammer pants. Come on now. Hammer time. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Raise your hand if you had MC Hammer Pants. Come on. I wasn't the only one. There we go. (laughs) Then there was the Pokemon craze. And then it died. And then they decided to revive it with a Pokemon Go. Do you remember that? Adults were walking around with their phones looking for Pokemon. Yeah. Pogs. Pogs. How about that? Whoop, whoop, gangum style. <laughs> no. <laughs> then there was uh, a commercial.
1: What's up?
0: <laughs> oh, Lord, this is all online. <laughs> uh, Furbies. Okay. How about the mannequin challenge? Does anybody remember the mannequin challenge? A few of you, okay. Uh, planking. Were you just stop and plank? That was a weird thing that happened how many years ago now? That was probably 15, 20 years ago, the planking. Parkour. <laughs> how about the Harlem Shake? Y'all don't all act like you're just this high and mighty Christian. You don't know what I'm talking about. Come on. Okay, for the Christians, uh, what would Jesus do bracelets? Okay. <laughs> Jelly shoes. The most painful shoes, but you were determined to wear them because they were so stylish and cool. And you would have all these horrible cuts on your feet, yeah. Fidget spinners? Come on, that's talking to some of the young people here. They were little when, when the fidget spinners were out. How about cell phones that work like a walkie talkie? Next tell anyone? <laughs> Me too. (laughs) Um, What does the fox say? Is it in your head now? (laughs) How about MySpace? (laughs) So funny thing is, is like, I refuse to go to Facebook. I refuse. My husband's like, Alicia, you need to go to Facebook. I'm like, no, MySpace is where it's at. (laughs) When you go to my page, there was a song playing. I could tell you who my top friends were. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I hated this fad. I still do. Slime. Slime. Anybody's kids making slime at home? Making a mess? Buying all this contact solution so that they can have an activate. I was just like, this is too much work. Uh, bottle flipping. <laughs> Some of you people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Jeans. I love jeans. Do you love jeans? There has been so many trends, and I couldn't name them all, but I named some of my favorites. We had the bell-bottom jeans. We had the acid-wash jeans, the low-rise, high-rise, the skinny jeans, the ripped jeans, and now mom jeans. (laughs) I can't get behind the mom jeans yet. I can't. How about this trend? Is the dress blue or is the dress white? And everybody arguing in between. Is it saying Yanni or Laurel? Yanni, Laurel. How many of you heard Yanni? And how many heard Laurel? If you're a certain age, you heard Laurel, okay? (laughs) If you're younger, you probably heard Yanni. But trends, they come and trends go. So there's this quote I heard, well, I read, um, by Christiane Varga, and she researches future trends, and she said something along the lines of this. Something becomes mainstream, and it reaches its so-called tipping point, and it has something to do with when and where it happens, and also our socio-historical-wise. So a trend originates in a specific context, but then it almost spreads like a virus, now I hate hearing the word virus now, right? But we can relate with it. We can understand. That's how trends go. They catch on real quick, and then they spread real fast, and then it dies off. So who gets to speak into our lives to determine which trends we should follow, which ones are good, which ones are worth following, which ones aren't? And in this day and age, we are bombarded with this. Social media. This culture of media has engulfed our minds, the minds of many, many users. It influences fashion, it influences politics, commerce, what are you going to buy, the way that we speak, and the list can go on and on. I remember back a couple years ago, I would see young people walking in downtown in the mall and they'd be doing something weird like this and i'm like what is wrong with them and then i had children in my classroom and I'm like, what are they do-? tiktok it was tiktok dances and they'd be doing like this weird stuff They're not even looking at their phone. They're not listening to music. But it's constantly replaying in their head. And they're acting out the motion. It was weird. And you're just looking at them like, what are they doing? Well, according to a study that was done by Harvard University on social networking sites, it actually was showing that it lights up the same part of our brain that ignites when you take an addictive substance. See, the brain is being stimulated by social media the same way that your brain would be stimulated by drugs. That's scary. So, we got our trends, but what is our truth? What is truth? Well, by definition, truth in metaphysics and in the philosophy of language, in the property of sentences, assertions, beliefs, thoughts, and propositions that are said is to agree with facts or to state what is the case. And so if we're on these social media sites, and especially our young people, where their brain is still developing and still growing, they're on these sites and that part of their brain is being stimulated and wanting more and more, so they're craving it. Their brain is literally being triggered. And so the more influence that social media outlets have over our minds and over our young people Watch our young people. They can't stop, but they're always picking up their phone. Do you notice how many times a day that they're picking up their phone and looking at it? It's constant. See, we are wired to connect. And social media gives us the illusion of connecting without actually connecting. So, in my opinion, we are actually more disconnected now than we are connected. But with an illusion of connecting because it's connecting, it's interconnected throughout the world. And we're seeing believers feeling like this is the only way that they can connect. Hmm. I read this study when I was preparing a BARDA study. And it said that 17% of Christians consider their faith important and attend church regularly. 17 percent so if these Christians are open to non-biblical perspectives that they're receiving through social media and that they receive now listen I use my phone I'm on social media I'm not against it but you have to guard yourself you have to protect yourself because if you're opening yourself up, and this is your only source, and you are not connected, if your faith is not as important, 17% consider their faith important. 17% believe that regularly attending church is worth it. Where are they getting their sources from? What are they believing? They're, you. We all have a belief system. What is it being built upon? And unless we are rooted in Christ and we are getting Holy Spirit wisdom and understanding, we can be easily swayed. That same Barna study showed that only 23% of Christians strongly agree that what is right or wrong depends on what the individual believes. That, my friends, is dangerous thinking. So... Our verse has been Romans 12, 1 through 2, through this series. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. But here, listen to this part. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to it. It's telling you one thing, but do not conform to it. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, this thing is connected to your mind, it is sending up those signals. There's been so many studies on how addictive this stuff is. If we don't allow this right here, this to transform our mind, what will transform your mind? There is a battle, there is a battle for your soul. Let that, be, let that be transforming the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing perfect will. Let's go on to Ephesians four twenty-two through 24. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. It's within us. We are born with a sinful nature. But. To be made new with the attitude of your mind. Put on the new self. Created to be like who? Like God. Like God in true righteousness and holiness. Can we ever be God? No. But we can change the old self. You have a choice to make. Now, here, Paul in Colossians, we're going to go into Colossians. Paul was dealing with some practical matters within the church. In the first two chapters of Colossians, he's talking about how God is so supreme. But then in chapter 3, Paul starts to deal with some practical matters. And he says, do not lie to each other. He was dealing with a lot of other sins right before this. Um, Before we get to verse 9 and 10, he was dealing with, you know, slander and malice and he was talking about all the things that is part of our sinful nature but then he goes on do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practice and you have put on your new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator and i want to kind of go back to that do not lie to each other and the reason why is because we're going truth over trend so if it's not truth what is it it's a lie it's a lie. And our old self tends to gravitate towards a lie. When someone says, Sister, I haven't seen you in weeks. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Put on our mask. It's a lie. Do not lie to each other. Sometimes here, this needs to be the safe place, this needs to be the place where we can be vulnerable with one another and bear one another's burdens. Lift one another up. Now, where do lies come from? The father of lies. And it's been since the beginning of creation. He's put in a lie. And he's allowed it to fester. And it's trickled down from the garden Till, and it's continuing. So, we're going to go back to the beginning of creation here in the Word. But I'm going to read it to you from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Now remember, I teach four-year-olds. <laughs> and I'm not sharing this with you because I think you're on the same age level. <laughs> I'm sharing it with you because that childlike faith is how we get to the kingdom of heaven. And... I have God speak to me sometimes more through a children's book than through anything else because I, he's my Abba. He's my father, and I'm his child, and this is beautifully written, so I hope you enjoy this. It comes from Genesis 3. This might not read exactly like the NIV or the NLT, but I want you to listen to the story. About the terrible lie. Adam and Eve lived happily together in their beautiful new home. And everything was perfect for a while until the day when everything went wrong. God had a horrible enemy. His name was Satan. And Satan had once been the most beautiful angel. But he didn't want to be just an angel, he wanted to be God. He grew proud and evil and full of hate, and God had to send him out of heaven. Satan was seething with anger and looking for a way to hurt God. He wanted to stop God's plan and stop this love story right there. So he disguised himself as a snake and was waiting in the garden. Now God had given Adam and Eve only one rule. Don't eat the fruit on that tree, God told them. Because if you do, you'll think you know everything. You'll stop trusting me. And then death and sadness and tears will come. You see, God knew if they ate the fruit, they would think that they didn't need him. And they would try to make themselves happy without him. But God knew there was no such thing as happiness without him. And life without him would be life at all. As soon as the snake saw his chance, he slithers silently up to Eve. Does God really love you? The serpent whispered. If he does, why won't he let you eat that nice, juicy, delicious fruit? Poor you. Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. The snake's words hissed into her ears and sunk down deep into her heart like poison. Does God love me? Eve wondered. Suddenly, she didn't know anymore. Just trust me, the serpent whispered. You don't need God. One small taste, that's all, and you'll be happier than you could have ever dreamed. Eve picked up the fruit and ate some, and Adam ate some too. And a terrible lie came into the world. It would never leave. It would live on in every human heart, whispering to every one of God's children, God doesn't love me. And if it wasn't a dream, it was a nightmare. A dove flew from Adam's hand. A deer darted in a thicket. And it was as if they were frightened by something. A chill was in the air. Something strange was happening. They had always been naked, but now they felt naked and wrong, and they didn't want anyone to see them, so they hid. Later that evening, as God was taking his walk, he called to them, Children, usually Adam and Eve loved to hear God's voice and would run to him, but this time they ran away from him, and they hid in the shadows. Where are you, God called? Hiding, Adam said. We're afraid of you. Did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat, God asked them. Adam said, Eve made me do it. What have you done, God asked. And Eve said, the serpent made me do it. And a terrible came, pain came into God's heart. His children had just broken the one rule. They had broken God's heart. They had broken their wonderful relationship with him. And now he knew everything else would break. God's creation would start to unravel and come undone and go wrong. From now on, everything would die, even though it was all supposed to last forever. You see, sin had come into God's perfect world and it would never leave. God's children would always be running away from him, hiding in the dark. Their hearts would break now and never work properly again. God couldn't let his children live forever, not in such pain, not without him. There was only one way to protect them. You will have to leave the garden now. God told his children, his eyes filling with tears, this is no longer your true home. It's not the place for you anymore. But before they left the garden, God made clothes for his children to cover them. He gently clothed them, and then he sent them on a long, long journey out of the garden, out of their home, Well, in another story, it would be all over and that would have been the end, but not in this story. You see, God loved his children too much to let the story end there. And even though he knew he would suffer, God had a plan, a magnificent dream. One day he would get his children back. One day he would make their world perfect home again. One day he would wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love his children with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And though they would forget him and run from him, deep in their hearts, God's children would miss him always and long for him. Lost children yearning for their home. Before they left the garden, God whispered a promise to Adam and Eve It will not always be so. I will come to rescue you. And when I do, I'm going to battle against the snake. I'll get rid of the sin and the dark and the sadness you let in here. I'm coming back for you. And he would. One day, God himself would come. Come on. Come on. One day he's coming back for us. You see, if we buy into that lie and we empower the liar in our lives, see, the enemy would love nothing more for you to stay in your state of defeat, rejection, hurt, loneliness, and fear. See, the trends of this world, they're never going to satisfy you because you can't keep up. They're always changing. Trying to keep up with the trends of the people and the culture will leave you empty and void. It's only God, it's only his word that's teeming with life that's going to breathe in to your spirit and when we have a deep desire to be loved and to know the one true living God who actually loves us that's the only way that we have life so why is it important that we know truth see when you know truth you know what the opposite is you know what the lie is and the enemy from the beginning of time has distorted the truth did God really say that's the way he operates he twists it he will twist the truth just enough to make us question and ask. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? What is What was the background of what he was saying? Was that actually what he meant? Well, put on your steel toe boots because we're going to expose the enemy today. Church, if we don't stand up for what's truth, you'll fall for the lie every time. And we're afraid to speak truth because we don't want to offend. There's always people living in offense. Christians are living in offense. It is time to just start to put on the armor of God and not allow the lies and the whispers and the darts from the enemy to penetrate our soul any longer. So you got your steel tube, steel-toed boots on? Because we're going to talk about lies I wish I could take all day and say this is the lie and this is the lie and this is God's truth. We don't have enough time in a day for all of that. But I do know what we're dealing with as as a, a church and as a society, as a culture right now, things are shifting. The world is shaking, and you got to stand on truth right now or you will fall. So let's look at some truth. And let's look at the lie. The lie in what the world says is, I was born this way. But John 3.3 3 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Lie. Real leaders have power and, or they show power. Matthew 20 verses 25 through 28, Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's never about a title. Never. I will gladly take pastor or reverend off of my name if it means that I'm too good to go (laughs) plunge a toilet during service. (laughs) If maybe you didn't know that. (laughs) If I'm too good to scrub a toilet, if I'm too good to pick up paper or stack a chair, then I don't deserve a title of pastor. It's about serving one another. How about the lie, if I make a certain amount of money, I will be happy. Now, trust me, nobody wants to live in poverty. I'm not saying that we have to be so humble to live in poverty. But if, it's, if our goal is only to obtain a certain amount, then I'll be okay. If I make this, if you, if you only knew how much this is what I deal with right now in the, in the choices that I'm making right now for my life and for my family, what I'm going to do in the very near future, I've struggled with this one. Can I be honest? It's not about being comfortable. It's about, Lord, can, I, can we do this? Can we make it? But here's truth. Here's truth. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 11, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? There's times where I just have to stop and say, okay, Lord, you're Jira. You're going to be my provider, and I'm going to trust you. My eyes can't be set on the amount of money. My eyes are set on the goal of what he's asked me to do. Amen? All right. How are those boots feeling? How about the lie? It's just a clump of cells. Life is life. Psalms, the whole Psalm 139 we could take, but I'm just going to share 13, verses 13 through 14. It says, "For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well." Right now we hear the screams from the left, my body, my choice. That heartbeat is not your own. That life is very much a part of you and needs you. And I know there's a lot of women who are hurting, who have had abortions in the past. We serve a loving God who forgives. But we need to stand up for life. We need to stand up for life. Church, that is our job. And that also means that we need to prepare, be prepared because I am praying for the reversal of Roe versus Wade here in the spring. I am praying that God will put that um, burden on the Supreme Court's heart to reverse that because it is killing a generation. But church, that means that we need to be prepared because there is going to be an influx of children that need to be taken into homes. It's not enough to stand on a sidewalk and scream at a woman who is facing these choices. We need to love them. We need to support them. We need to show them that we are there for them. No child is unwanted. God has a purpose and a plan for every child. Okay, tighten up your boots. The lie is love is love. Truth is, in Romans 1, through 27, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. It's right there. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this. God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even the women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. God loves everyone. But God has not called us to accept that lie. I know a redeeming God. I know a God who can set anyone free. You do not have to be enslaved by sinful things. And this is not just for those who are struggling with homosexuality it's for those men or women who are stuck in pornography it's for those who have brought in outside things into their marriage bed it is for all the way around the table God can set anybody free and this this sin is not new to God and this sin is no greater than any other sin sin is sin but God doesn't call us to be stuck in our sin and to accept it. Are those boots okay? Okay. This one, this, this lie. Well, this is my lot in life. This is my fate. Hmm. How many negative Nancys do you know? <laughs> I love how the New Living Translation puts it. Ephesians 5.8. For once, you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Stop accepting the lie. Stop accepting the negative things. Well, this is just my lot. Kind of like Eeyore. Mm-hmm. Right? No. If you only knew the potential that you have. When you're walking in the fullness of God's grace and mercy, even in the darkest of times, God can use you. The next slide. There are many ways to heaven. It's fine for everyone to find their own path. Mm. John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You hear that, Oprah? No one can go to the Father. No one can go to the Father except through Him. There's that kumbaya spiritual belief that if you just are a good person, And that if you just believe in a good higher power, you you can almost like will your way there. No. One thing I love about the word is that it divides. That's what truth does. And that's why truth hurts sometimes, right? Have you ever been smacked in the face with truth? And it's like, oh. You ever had a really bad attitude and God just speaks to you truth and you're like, I am so sorry, Lord. It divides. It helps us. And here's another lie. The Bible is a metaphor. It's open to interpretation of what God was really trying to say to mankind, right? Because we hear this, you know, uh, do you follow everything in Leviticus? Well, Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17, says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is God-breathed. Yes, God used men, but he breathed that scripture into them. He breathed it. This, This word is the only thing that will stand when everything else around us falls. It is not a metaphor. It is not open for your interpretation to take and twist to make it work for what it is that you want to do. Those last two lies are some of the biggest lies that we see being presented to the church in the name of progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity is rooted in unbiblical ideals in order to grow people in a way that they believe is a form of accepting, of of, of an all accepting and affirming faith. Let me tell you what progressive Christianity is. It is a lie from the pit of hell, and it's used to keep believers from seeing truth. It takes away the authority of Scripture, and it opens it up for interpretation. My friends, the Bible is not a metaphor. Christ's death and atonement for our sin is real. Hell is real, and heaven is not a destination stop for everyone. All paths do not lead us there because there is only one way. There is one Savior and his name is Jesus. He is not a fad. He is not a trend or a craze. He is the Savior who was born for the salvation of the world. He is counselor, redeemer, restorer, healer, provider. He is all-powerful and all-knowing and he is sovereign over all. The government rests upon his shoulders. He died on the cross. He shed his blood so that we can have forgiveness of sin we can have access to his healing and my friends he is coming back again and he is looking for a spotless bride church we are his bride so are you ready to start (laughs) open up your bibles to matthew 25 Matthew 25, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Doesn't it feel like that? A long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he, rep- he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. My friends, we're coming upon a time that we've never experienced before. And I don't know what the Lord's timeline is. He doesn't even know the day or the hour he's coming. Only God the Father knows. But we're watching the earth around us. And like I said, there is a shaking happening. And I believe there's some birth pains being cried out right now. But my friends, you alone are responsible for your faith in your own spiritual condition. Coming to church and checking off your box that you came here is not enough. Checking in online and watching your favorite church or your favorite preachers is not enough. Young people, you can't get to heaven because your mom and dad are believers. Your family legacy has nothing to do with your own walk you will never be good enough. Your relationship with the Lord has to be your own. Do you have enough oil in your lamp? Are you prepared for when he returns? You need your own oil. You can't borrow oil from your neighbor or your friend. When the bridegroom's coming, you can't be knocking on doors, I need oil, I need oil. It's too late. It's time that believers dismantle the lies of the enemy. Why did I point out these lies? Because we have to know truth. What are we facing every single day in the marketplace and in our jobs? What are you facing every day in your high school, young person? What are you facing? You're facing lies constantly from the enemy. And you have to discern what is the lie and what is the truth. When we need to stop looking to the gods of this world for the answer. Your sports icons don't have the truth unless they're following this word. Media does not have the truth unless they're following this word. Entertainment and entertainers, they don't have the truth unless they're following this word. The love of money will only take you so far and it's going to leave you empty and void. Substances will only take you so far before you're feeling so empty and longing for more. Being self-obsessed will only take you so far. He's coming back. You need to be prepared. What is your spiritual condition right now? Do an inventory. Look at the signs. If Jesus was to part that sky right now, would you be ready? Young people, would you be ready? Are your friends going to go to heaven with you? Are they ready? Is your neighbor, is he ready? Is she ready? Come on, is your, is your aunt and your uncle and your cousins, are they ready? If that sky was to split in a second, are they going? And if they're not, and if you're not, this altar is going to be open for you. And I plead with you, if I'm going to ask you of anything, is to take this seriously. Because there will come a day when the bridegroom comes and the door is shut. And he said, I never knew you. Who do you think those people were? If it's a worldly person, why would they have a lamp? Why would they have any oil? There would be people in the last days that will go before the Lord. And they say, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Well, who's going to do that? I can tell you the world's not casting out any devils. It's going to be those who had a form of godliness but denied its power. So I brought some heavy stuff. So what do we do with all of this, right? What is the answer? Well, let's take some practical steps to not fall into the trap of the lies of the enemy. And here's your first one. Get in the word. If you are not reading this daily, And you are not eating this bread. You are malnourished. You are empty. This is life-sustaining right here. When you spend time with God, it allows you to know the heart of God. It's his word that transforms us. His presence, if you've ever been in the presence of God, it changes you. And you don't want to leave it once you're there. His spirit will fill us when we ask him. Show grace. Christians, we talked a lot about the lies of the enemy and we know a lot of people that believe those lies. I know Christians who believe those lies. We need to love those and love them into the arms of the Savior. If we sit and only point out sin... And not point them to the one who can deliver them, then we lose them. Nothing turns off a non believer quicker than telling them that they have a one way straight ticket to hell. Now, listen, I I believe in talking about hell, I believe in talking about sin, but I believe we gotta convert them showing grace and love. Live it out. Church, you got to live this thing out. You have to be a doer of the word. You can't just sit and hear. And we come on Sundays and we sing to the Lord, amen, right? And we listen to the word, oh, I like what he said, that's good. Okay, check, I'm out. See you next week. You're like that sponge, just sits there and I just wring water into that sponge. But that sponge does nothing but sit and absorb. What happens to the sponge? It stinks. My children are really bad at wringing out the sponge when they do dishes. If it sits too long, it begins to mold and mildew. It's stagnant. We can't be stagnant. We have to have a fine line where we're not just so busy doing that we're not hearing, and we can't just be hearing and not doing. They have to work in tandem. They have to go hand in hand. Ask the Lord for renewed passion. How many just sometimes feel like, Lord, my fire is just dim? Come on, we're all there. It's very easy for us to grow complacent in our faith. And if we use it as a checkoff list, rather than having the excitement that we once used to have when we first found God, just ask Him. God has given us each an assignment everybody has their own talent and, and ability to use for his glory to further it for his kingdom so what is your mission because your mission is beyond sitting in a seat on a Sunday what are you called to get excited over it and what do you envision pray God what do you what are you giving me for this community believe it or not the pastors here don't have all the answers we want God to speak to us but do, do you know God might be speaking to you about this community and how we can work together what, does, what is God giving you for this community what part are you playing and then grow grow He said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Does a branch just hang out and not grow? It grows because it's attached to its source, and it has a purpose. So get connected. Get connected to Father. Get connected to Abba. And get connected in here. Get connected in small groups. Get connected in Bible study. Get connected in prayer time. Get connected. Grow. Serve. Love others. And be filled with His Spirit. Ask Him for extra oil. How many of you need some extra oil today? I want extra oil. My lamp needs extra oil. So this is how we can put it into practice, right? But you can't put this into practice unless you know him. So I'm going to have two calls this morning, two calls. This first call is the most important step you will ever take in your entire life. accepting Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. There is nothing that this church will ever beg of you. We will not beg for you to come. We will not beg for you to give your money. We will not beg for you to work in our nursery and to work with our children. We might ask you, but we will not beg you. But I will beg and plead with you. To accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior because without him you don't know truth and when that door shuts you can knock all you want but he'll say I'm sorry depart I don't know you so do you know him today I mean do you know him He's the only one who can set you free. He's the only one that can take away your sins, wipe it all away, and then he doesn't see it anymore. Do you know him? So, in reverence to God, can we just close our eyes? God, I thank you. I thank you that you still call. You still see us. You know and there's no sin, Lord God, that could separate us from you. There's nothing that will take us far away from your presence, God. You were always there. So Jesus, for those who don't know you, I pray right now just a heavy dose of the Spirit just falling. Call them. Woo them. If you do not know Jesus Can I have the house that lights up just a tiny bit so I can see? If you do not know Jesus, and you want to, just raise your hand up. Say, I want to know him. I don't know him, but I need to know him. Because without him, and that door shuts, that's it. That's it. I'll wait another minute because I'm not afraid of this moment. It's the most important decision you could ever make. Is do you know him? I see your hand. Let's pray. The Bible tells us that if we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and that we believe and we confess it with our mouth, then we will be saved. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's believing in the one, Jesus. So church, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I believe you are our God over all. And today, I accept you as Lord and Savior. Take my sin and cleanse me and make me new as I follow you. Help me, Lord, to look to you in all of my ways and to acknowledge you I put my trust in you